You're listening to the weekly message at Mosaic Church. For more information or to talk about your own life in Christ, email info at mosaicchurchevans.org. If you'd like to support our ministry, visit our website at mosaicchurchevans.org. Thanks for listening. And now, this week's message. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 34. The best way to engage the message is always with something to write with, something to write on, and your Bible open. So if you've got your Bible open to Luke chapter 1, verse 26, let's begin with the kind of the beginning of the Christmas story. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How can this be, Mary asked the the angel, since I am a virgin? And that is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I want to ask you what stands out for you in this scene, and I'm not asking rhetorically, I'm actually asking uh, practically, can, you, can, you can call it out. What stands out for you in this scene as we've just read it just now? She's favored. She's favored, that Mary is favored. What else? She's greatly troubled. You can be both favored and greatly troubled, yes. One more thing. The Lord is with you. That's great. So I want you to hold on to sort of that initial reading of this passage, and let's do a little exercise. We're going to start with this picture, the one that's on the screen right now. What do you see? Give me not just what your eyes see, but what this makes you feel. Fellowship. Fellowship. Okay. What else? Worship. What else? I feel at peace. You feel at peace? Okay. Alone. Okay. The distance. That's pretty good, actually. I, mean, I tell you, that the, the, as a pastor, the space between them communicates very loudly to me. I am always concerned about what the empty spaces communicate to the person who walks in. I'm kind of over-focused on that, actually. And I have to tell you, standing up here, I see every empty chair as if it is five empty chairs. I just, I'm built that way. Um, so, and, I, and I have to ask, even about this picture, what is the space between the people, the distance between them communicate? Is that anger or is it a lack of relationship? What do you think that distance communicates? Lack of community. Lack of community, Okay. Anything else? Introverts. Introverts. Okay, that's good. 
Someone said fear, okay. All right. Might have been COVID. Might have been COVID. Everything communicates. In the public relationship, excuse me, in the public relations world, that's the thing they say. Everything communicates, not just the words you say, or the, but the clothes you wear and the way you stand, the, the lighting in the room. It all sends a message to people on the observing end. Everything communicates. If you are taking notes on this morning's message, that's the first thing you should write at the top of your, 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 your journal page. Everything communicates. So a smile at the front door on a Sunday morning communicates something, Right? The cleanliness in the bathrooms communicates something. Are the light fixtures working? Does it smell okay in here? I have a really uh, refined sense of smell, and so smells really get me. It can smell like um, old people really fast to me. You know what I mean? That mothball smell. So whatever else we smell like here, I'm never going to let you smell old, my friends. (laughs) Outdated content on a website communicates something. So we, we tend to these things because we want to see people come to Jesus. We actually want to see people come to Jesus here. And what we do or don't do communicates. So let's practice that thought, just, just the everything communicates piece. Let's practice it on another picture. What does this image communicate to you? Love. Oh, there's lots of love. Okay, what else? Comfort. Friendship, peace, trust, yeah. It's interesting that we infer a lot of intention and and emotion to a dog. Um, We catch them smiling, even though dogs, experts say dogs don't actually smile. They they learn muscle movement. Yeah, some of you right now are just, have just started communicating with me. That's heresy. Yeah. All right, let's look at another one. How about this expression? What is this guy thinking or responding to? Is he smiling or irritated? Is he reacting or is he just mind wandering? What do you think? (laughs) That's really funny because Randall at the first service said, Randall didn't just say that. (laughs) What else do you see? Oh, no, you didn't. Defensiveness? What's that? Certainly dramatic. Here's the interesting thing. What I Googled to get this picture was expressionless face. So I have no, I have no context for this picture, so I don't actually know what's going on with this person. But, he, but this kind of, I guess all of these little, just trying to get you to open up your, your imagination pores a little bit, because I want to tell you what I've been thinking about lately. I've been thinking about that phrase, everything communicates, and about how I interpret the expressions and behaviors of others and how other people interpret me. Here I am thinking I have an expressionless face while somebody in front of me thinks I'm angry. And I'm I'm realizing as I think on this that I miss a lot of social cues. Anybody else in that boat, you miss a lot of social cues? On my bad days, I filter everything that I see through my insecurities, but even on my good days, I miss a lot because I only see what I want to see. Does this make sense? And we we all do it. We, We filter expressions like that, guys. 
through all we've been conditioned to think over a lifetime, and we tell stories based on our perspective that may or may not be accurate stories. We all do it. We hear only what we want to hear, and the rest floats right on by as if it was never said, while we make our assumptions about the world, about our relationships, about reality, based only on the part we have absorbed and accepted. I need an amen from some spouses and parents in amen. the room right now amen. who have felt as if they only hear what they want to hear. Amen. <laughs> They're having a party over here. So I'm working my way toward a point that has everything in the world to do with the passage we just read in Luke chapter 1. Here's the thing. The universe itself is designed with this idea in mind that everything communicates. And there is more to all of it than we can see and hear. Scientists have a theory about this, especially the seeing part. And I don't stand, understand enough of it to go deep. Um, but when scientists talk about this idea that there's more to everything than what we can see, they talk about dark matter. It's the theory of dark matter, dark energy. So look at this picture. Dark matter is the space between the stars and the planets. For instance, with this picture, which is a picture of the constellation called Orion the Hunter, a picture that's, um, that's visible, or, or a constellation that's visible in the, in the winter sky, so you should be able to go out tonight and see this constellation. Orion was first uh, discovered in 1610, which means that for centuries, humans all over the world have been able to see and identify that constellation. It hasn't changed at all in at least that long, and surely for much longer. And when we look at this constellation, what we see are the, are the stars. But the stars in this picture are not the whole point. The space between the stars is just as important. The question that the space between all those lit up objects asks is this. What keeps those objects in place? Why don't they float off over time? or move toward each other. It, it reminds me of the picture of the people in that church, all scattered out among the pews. Teresa, you were, you were right. That picture was a picture of a church who had chosen to worship on Easter Sunday, 2020. So the real story in that picture is not the people. Oh, okay, so you got it then, yeah. So the story in that picture is not the people at all. The story is the space between them. Everything communicates, even the space between us. So with stars and galaxies, the theory is that what keeps them in place in the night, in the night sky is not just about gravity, the theory of gravity or the lack of it, which is long assumed. In fact, it's not actually space at all that keeps them in place but actual stuff, what scientists call dark matter. That's the theory. It's like these stars are sitting inside, not empty space, but jello, or like, like they are beans inside of a jelly bean jar. Which means, are y'all still with me? If this theory is right, that there is a lot more to the universe than the parts we can see. In fact, according to this theory, dark matter, the universe is 100% matter, but only 5% of it is observable. 
Let me say that again this way. According to scientific theory, we can only see 5% of what is real, which is a powerful thought, right? And if it's true, because, because it puts this science amazingly in line with what we believe about the designer of the universe. Think about it. We believe in a God whose most real properties are not observable. And we're not talking just about the intangibles like character. No, we're talking about spiritual substance, real things that cannot be seen. When we were at a last uh, prayer night that we did, no, it was, it was during the GIC, Sam Wilkinson walked up to me in the middle of that uh, time of prayer that we did on Sunday morning and said, I don't know exactly if I should be telling you this or not, but I'm pretty sure I see an angel right there. Our Sam Wilkinson. Do you remember a few minutes ago you looked around the room? What were you looking for? We see what we want to see. As followers of Jesus, we, we know that just because we cannot see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And we trust that what is most important, most true, most influential is not what we can see, but what is invisible to the eye. And if all of that is true, and if it is also true that everything communicates, then that ought to impact how we understand the story of God, how we hear it, how we hear the literary equivalent of dark matter that lives between the words and phrases in the Bible that communicate the story of God. Are you with me? What holds these words in place Century after century, millennium after millennium, it's not thin wishing like thin air. It's the substance of things not seen. There is more to our story than we can see. So with all that in mind, that everything communicates, that we often hear only what we want to hear, see only what we want to see, that there is a lot more to the universe and to the story of God than the parts we can see, that we only see 5% of what is most real. With all that in mind, I want you to listen again to the story in Luke chapter 1 of Mary's encounter with an angel and her call to bear God's Messiah into the, wor into the world. The writer says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words, but wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How can that be, Mary said, since I am a virgin? All right, as you hear that scene again, 
with that idea in mind that everything communicates, that we often hear and see only what we want to hear and see, that there is a lot more to the universe than the parts we can see, that we only see 5% of what is real. What do you hear? Does it change the parts of the story that you emphasize? And is it possible that as you shift your perspective, you are actually shifting into what God most wants to communicate? Are you with me? What do you think God most wants to communicate through a scene where he creates a miracle and delivers a message through an angel? I hear, the, first of all, the, the miracle of the virgin birth <laughs> and, and a plan supported by angels and the clear message that our God deals in the miraculous, which means this story is obviously more about the things we cannot see than it is about the things we can see, which means Christianity is not a faith with a few miracles sprinkled in for effect. Christianity is a miracle with some good stories thrown in. Ours is not primarily an ethical or moral way of life. Ours is primarily, excuse me, our story is primarily an invitation into the supernatural realm. So let's start with the virgin birth. Jesus was born of a woman who never had sex with a man. And anyone who calls themselves a Christian, who knows the story, has to deal with that part. In fact, I would say you got to accept that part. Why? Because in order for the rest of this story to be true, the first part has to be true. Because this is the story. The Bible is the story. There's not another story. <laughs> so this story is asking us not just to believe in the virgin birth, but to believe in everything that came before it and everything that comes after it. The Bible, the written word of God, is the 5% that points us to the truth of the 95%. The Bible is the tangible truth that points us toward the mystery of God. William Lane Craig is a famous philosopher and scientist who struggled to believe he's an atheist, struggled to believe in God, and the sticking point for him was the virgin birth. I mean, crazy to me. Of all the things you could pick, that was the thing. He couldn't get past it. He, he thought it was absurd. He said for that to be true, a Y chromosome had to be created out of nothing in Mary's body because Mary did not possess the genetic material to produce a male child. Craig said in his head, he knew that was true because he was a scientist. But, he was, but the, the problem with, was he was looking at the wrong half of the equation. He was leaning on the 5% and ignoring the 95%. And in his heart, he wanted so much to believe. And so he became a Christian. And he experienced that kind of faith that takes a person to a higher kind of knowing. And now that brilliant philosopher-scientist says... You don't need to have all your questions answered to come to faith. You just have to say, the weight of the evidence seems to show this is true, and even though I don't have answers to all my questions, I'm going to believe and hope for answers in the long run. And for him, 
faith, a higher kind of knowing, has led him to the answers. He now says, if I really do believe in a God who created the universe, then for him to create a Y chromosome, that's child's play. The virgin birth is not only easy to believe if you believe in the God of the universe who creates stars and, and, and galaxies, it's also really good news. It assures us that Jesus has the power we need him to have. His DNA flows from a holy God. He is a perfect sacrifice. We sang about this in our first song this morning. In the Old Testament system of sacrifices, it was an unblemished lamb who took on the sins of the people. In the New Testament, Jesus was, is that unblemished lamb. Jesus was the sacrifice to end all sacrifices because sin was never intended by God to be the last word over our lives. If he were not born of a virgin, he would not be sinless. If he wasn't sinless, then he has nothing to offer us that we can't generate for ourselves. So the virgin birth is the miracle that gives the cross all its power. It's also the beginning of a life that was ready to bear your sin and mine because it had the power to do so without being destroyed by it. Your sin without a Messiah will be destroyed by your sin. But your sin on the back of Jesus is, 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 is freedom. N.T. Wright talks about it this way. He talks about how a fox will deal with his fleas. I'd never heard this before. But a fox will go into um, a, a, a pasture where, where the... Um, where the lambs have been, where the sheep have been, and he will gather wool from that. And he will put it in his mouth. And when he's got a lot of fleas, he will put the ball of wool in his mouth and he will go to a river and he will submerge himself all the way so that nothing but his nose and that ball of wool is sticking out from the water. And all of the fleas will work their way up to that ball of wool and then he lets it go, and it floats down the And Jesus, full of the fleas of your sin, immersed himself in the will of God and let it go. The whole thing ought to stun us and send us to our knees in worship. Ought to cause us to trust all the parts we cannot see, believing that even what we do see is, that even what we do not see, it's there. It's all there. The stuff we see, the stuff we don't see, it's all there. And the stuff we don't see has just as much substance to it as the parts we can see and understand. And all of it is designed to fill our lives with hope. Everything communicates. So just what is it that God is trying to say through the virgin birth? Well, I think at least he's trying to say he's not wiping the earth off the face of the universe. He's actually wiping clean the face of the earth. 
I think also he's trying to tell us that he is for us, not against us. I believe he's, he's showing us that his intention is to purify ancient systems and restore holy orders. He plans to redeem the world, not restore it. And he writes, says most of us live in relationship with God as if God hates the world and so hated the world that he killed his only son. But that's not the story. What's in the Bible? God so loved the world that he gave. Yeah, gave him to us in ordinary human flesh, born of an ordinary human mama, descended from names, people knew and trusted David, who had the favor of God, Jacob, who was a spiritual father of God's people, to remind us that God loves people and that the world is not the problem. The world is the prize. And every day, all around us, in very supernatural ways, God is slowly redeeming this world he loves. So do not be afraid, the angel said. God has got this. I was talking to someone about their prayers around an issue, and they were asking if they should pray a certain question. And, and I was remembering something that I learned a long time ago, that God tends to answer um, yes, no questions. I, I, don't, I can't tell you why. I don't know why. But those who have strong prayer lives and a strong connection with God through prayer, they tell us that God is prone to answer yes, no questions or direct questions, things he can answer simply. Maybe that's his way of helping us work out our issues so we get them down to the most basic of questions before we go to him. So when the angel comes to Mary and shares only the most crucial facts, you will conceive and give birth to a son. Mary is... But how can this be? <laughs> the facts don't support it. The angel says, don't worry about that. I've spoken a yes over your life, and that yes, listen to me, that yes, that favor is the substance that makes the rest of it work. That's the, the unseen real. That favor, that call, that's what makes the rest of the story make sense. Maybe angels, maybe it's angels who deliver the story. You know, he could have, he could have brought a prophet, but maybe angels deliver the story to point Mary toward the 95% so she doesn't get bogged down by the 5%. And the message of those angels and to you, the message those angels give to you and to me is the same message that God gives to Mary. There is so much more to this life than we can see. So much more to the plan of God. So much more that God has for you. Are you stuck trying to make the 5% make sense while God is, has thrown the doors open wide and is inviting you into the 95% that is just as real, maybe more real, just as powerful, maybe more powerful, just as meaningful, maybe more meaningful as the part you can see? St. Bernard 
was a French monk who lived in the 12th century, and Martin Luther quotes him as saying that there are three miracles in the story of Jesus' birth. Miracle number one, that God and man should be joined in this child. There's a really cool technical term for that. We're going to explore that next week, that God and man should be joined in this child. Second, that a mother should remain a virgin. That's where we are today on that miracle, that a mother should remain a virgin. And the third, which is really the third thing I want to talk to you about, we talked about the virgin birth, we talked about the angels, but here's the real miracle, that Mary should have faith enough to believe that this mystery would be accomplished in her. And then Bernard says, Mary's faith is not the least of these three miracles. That's the big miracle, that Mary says yes to this invitation, that she looks right past the logical and trusts the character of God, that whatever her other options were, and I trust she had other options, she could already believe that Jesus is better. To say yes, she had to believe that the story of God is the story, and that she wanted to be in that story. To say yes, she had to believe that all the prophecies her religion told her she could count on. To say yes, she had to open up all her senses and fully participate in that 95% reality that she could not see. There's a story, a line in the story of the little prince. Anybody in here know that children's story? Evidently, this is the line that everybody loves. He spends all his days learning to care for a single rose, and he says, here's my secret. It's very simple. It's only with the heart that one can see rightly. What is essential is invisible to the eye. That's how faith in a miracle-working God works. We think and see and hear with faith, not Eyes and ears and minds, or not just eyes and ears and minds, but faith itself is a miracle. Hebrews 11 tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. They got a valid story by faith. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which were seen are not made of the things which are invisible. So what holds all the invisible parts of your life together? And what holds you up when you feel like you are hanging out there alone by a thread are you just floating through air? Or are you surrounded by the substance, the very person, the power, the pleasure of the Holy Spirit? Do you have faith enough in a God who loves you enough to come and be with you in your life? The best stuff comes to us by faith. You should write that down. The best stuff comes to us by faith. So I know we've talked a lot about the disaffiliation journey. I want to tell you one more story because this one, this one is the thing. So as of last Friday, December 1st, we are officially no longer a UMC church. Um, 
that that's the date they chose after the November 18th vote that ratified our request to be removed from the UMC. We still have a little paperwork to file, a couple of things to, to sign, but for practical purposes, for all practical purposes, we're, we're out. And I count that as a miracle because I know the remarkably unlikely things that had to happen this year in order for that to be true. Here's the reason I'm telling you this story. Back in February, we had no idea that where we are today might be possible. Everything we tried back then was a dead end. It was, those, were, those were really, really stressful days. January and February, we couldn't figure out, there were, we couldn't find anybody to talk, talk, you know, kind of talk us through this. We, we couldn't figure out how to get where we felt we needed to go. But right in the middle of that time, on February 28th, a colleague of mine sent me a text. And this is the actual journal entry that he sent me. It said, you all will be a GMC in nine months. The baby is coming. December 1st, 2023, you will be a GMC. I will confirm this with other members of your church. Get excited. My buddy only sent that word to me, to us. And at the top of the page, which you can't see the top of the page, but it's dated February 28th, 2023, nine months ago, exactly nine months from December 1st. Before there was any legal action taken, before there was a settlement, before they'd set the date for the called annual conference, long before they announced just a month ago that as of December 1st, any disaffiliating church would be formally separated from the UMC on that date. Long before any of that, when I was so discouraged and felt kind of hopeless, God sent this completely accurate, totally unlikely word of prophetic encouragement to me. And do you know how I answered that text that day, February 28th? I said, thanks. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> because I was insane in those days. I had no sense of hope that this could be real. And so that text came to me sort of like a Hallmark card. Buck up. I don't even remember getting the text. I can tell you this now. My friend reminded me of it about a month ago when the word came out that our official separation date would be December 1st. He went back in his journal and looked it up. He sent me the picture. He's the one who remembered, too, that I said, thanks. <laughs> Everything communicates. And his text on February 28th communicated such faith, while my thanks communicated no faith. His text was focused on the 95%, while I was focused on the 5%. What if everybody had focused on the 5%? What a loss that would have been. What if the first moments. Listen, what if, what if Mary had focused on the 5% instead of the 95%? What if she had only focused on what she was feeling that, that moment? What if she had questioned whether an angel could actually appear to her? What if she had not believed that God was powerful enough to create a Y chromosome in her body, even if she didn't know how to say that out loud? 
What if the first moments of the story of Jesus are a challenge to you and me to go looking for substance, for what is most real, for the 95% that right now is holding us together that we can't see but is just as real as what we can see? What if the whole thing, the whole story of God is about having faith in a God who is right here, right now, waiting for your yes because he wants to pour favor over you? What if? I'm going to ask you to stand. And so all of this matters. I mean, Mary's yes is such a draw. Because right now, there are people in this room who are very focused on the 5% of your life. And you, are, you know it. You, you know it. People who are focused on the 5% do two things really well. We try to control the circumstances, and we worry. Come on now. So that's probably not you, but you know somebody. (laughs) What if you have tried to figure your stuff out by focusing on the 5% and using the resources at your disposal to do that when the door is wide open right now, right now, to focus on the 95%. So, I want to ask you to do something again. At the beginning of the worship service, do you remember I asked you to turn around and look at everything and everybody in the room and to see what you see? I want to ask you to do it again. Take a good look around the room. A good look. Look at everything. Look at everything. Look at everything. Look at the 5%. But ask yourself, what's the 95% in this room? What's the 95% in this room right now? God, give me eyes to see that. Because when I look around this room, I see a ton of faith. I see a lot of resources. I see some impressive character. I also see the power of the Holy Spirit to draw people together. If you think that you're standing, whether you're next to somebody or by yourself, if you think that you are not being held right now in a worship space, if you're not being held by the power of the Holy Spirit, you need to look again. You need to look again. You are held. So bow your head and close your eyes, and now I ask you to look inside yourself and ask yourself, where is it, Jesus? Where is it? Okay, I've done the the equivalent of thanks over your offer of help, over your invitation into the 95%. Where am I focused on the five? I ought to be focused on the 95. And what do I need to do about that? How how do I best define my need so that it's down to a question that you, Jesus, can answer with a holy 
Yes. Maybe for somebody in this room, it is a question of salvation. It is as simple as that. God, help me believe. Help me to trust you. Help my antitrust. Help me to trust what I can see and the part I can't see. Maybe for you, it's a question of healing or a question of restoration or redemption of something in your life that looks for all the world like dead. God, give me grace to see what I cannot see right now. God, as each one of us deals in this moment, my prayer is that you would surround us, assure us, and speak. If you'd like to come and kneel here at the front, this place is a place of prayer. This is a place where you can get on your knees and give God whatever it is that you have tried to worry or control your way through. If you'd like some prayer over anything, healing, deliverance, anything, I'd be right over here. I'd be so happy to pray with you. If you stay where you are, I want you to use this song as your prayer. God, help me never lose the wonder. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our message. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you. Visit us or check out our website at mosaicchurchevans.org for more information. May God bless your day.